Hello, everybody. This is our next episode of Shift M Podcast, and uh, I'm Yegor, and we have a special guest today. It's Melissa Perry. Uh, she will introduce herself right now. Melissa? Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Melissa Perry, and I'm uh, the CEO of a company called Products Labs. We help uh, growth stage and enterprise companies accelerate their uh, product transformations. So we come in and we do a variety of uh, different things. We play usually um, an interim CPO role uh, through our team, where we help uh, give companies guidance on uh, strategy, on setting up a good product organization, on uh, preparing the right roadmaps. Uh, we train members of the team who are there, so any product owners or product managers on the team. We all provide training for them, and we coach executives into what does a good product organization actually look like, and what do you need to consider as executives if you want to work this way. Um, so we are pretty much, um, we, we, our whole idea is basically how do we accelerate um, product teams and what product teams can accomplish while they're out usually trying to hire a CPO to fill that role that we've been playing uh, so that's sustainable long term. And then I also wrote the book, um, Escaping the Build Trap, which is all about how do you set up these uh, product organizations. So it covers everything from how do you set up an organization um, correctly from a uh, reporting standpoint. So how do you spread out product teams? Where do you put them over? Um, how do you set the right strategy and how do you uh, set the right processes? And then how do you build a culture around product? So Escaping the Bill Trap just came out um, this week. It's available for print or on Kindle. Um, in addition to that, we do uh, classes in product management through Product Institute and do trainings, especially at large enterprises um, for other product owners learning to work like product managers. Melissa, I'm sorry, my, my audio was muted. Um, <laughs> you keep saying product manager, and, and, and today we, I would really like to discuss the problem of, not the problem, but the, dis, dis, the distinction between project managers and product managers, because I very often hear that people call themselves uh, project managers, even though they're doing something completely different from actually project management. So what's the difference between product management and project management? Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty common uh, uh, misconception to get them all confused because they sound so familiar. So we've had a lot of people say, oh, you do project management. And I'm like, no, I do product. Um, and the difference besides just that D and the J in those words, um, project management is all about when, right? Like, so when do you get things delivered? What's needed, um, you know, dependency wise or team wise? Is everybody working on the right things? Um, so project managers are really responsible for ensuring that a project is running smoothly. Product, though, is very different. Product management is about, are we building the right thing? And are, what are we building from a uh, software perspective, if you're a software company, that is going to help further this business, right? So what are the right applications to build? What are the right experiences? What are the right workflows for people? What are the right, um, you know, products uh, features, right, to, to put into your products so that they provide value? So product managers are a lot more um, about value optimization, I'd like to say, where they try to figure out what are the products and services we can deliver to our customers to maximize our business value and keep our business running and get a lot of profit that way. And then customer value. How can we provide the most value to solve our customers' problems, wants, and needs so that they want to buy our services or buy our products and then we in return make a lot of money as a business? 
And where do these people can study that? Where you can learn that information? I know where I can learn, you know, project management knowledge of body of knowledge because there are books about that. I know how to plan my time. I know how to organize risks and all that stuff. What about product management? I, it, it seems to me that I need to know the product by itself. I need to know the business, right? Yeah, there's definitely an element in it. But what I've found, um, and this is something that we do, we work across something like eight to 10 companies at a time when we help them with product strategy. And we play those high leadership roles. Now there's an element of the market that you really do have to understand. And we have to, basically every time we work with a company, we start getting deep into the market and starting to understand what their business does. But there are some basic uh, principles and some basic knowledge in product management that really applies no matter what company you go to. So your job is pretty much the same but your domain knowledge will change a little bit so that you can accurately reflect it. And what I've seen it with most companies is that they'll have a lot of subject matter experts playing the product management role, but they don't have those people actually trained in product. And that's because it's, it's what you just brought up. Um, there is no place to really go to study product management. There is no degree you can get in school. Um, a lot of MBAs um, or business schools are trying to add it in there. There's a couple here and there. I know like uh, Berkeley in California is trying to do a product management degree. Um, but there's no place to really formally train this. Uh, we started, and that, that's something that I was trying to tackle with uh, Product Institute. We, we started an online school. It's 10 weeks long um, so that you can start learning the fundamentals of product management. But it's still, it's still in its infancy, right? And I think um, training for product managers is still in its infancy. Uh, there's a lot of people will go with the scrum two-day product owner training, but that's like that's not enough To know how to do your job really competently. I'd argue that any kind of class where um, You're just sitting in for a couple hours and not really able to practice it all the time. That's not a lot of um, That doesn't give you a lot of in the trenches uh, experience to really be uh, to really go after it so Product management, it's, it's difficult to figure out where do you learn it. And a lot of classes, um, like, uh, for example, the Scrum two-day product owner training, they teach you more about how to go through the motions of, like, uh, prioritizing a backlog, for example, um, talking to customers, writing out a user story. They don't tell you how to think about product management. And that's what I try to tackle with Product Institute. It's more about, as a product manager, right, you, you're supposed to be thinking about, okay, what are the customer needs? What would they really find value in? Um, what are we capable of solving as a company, right? How do we leverage our assets and our products and what we have in our know-how, right, to solve those problems? And how do we design a solution that's so compelling and has the things that are required in a solution that makes somebody want this over everything else out there? So it's putting all those pieces together and then figuring out how to monetize it, right, so that you can keep running your business effectively. It's a lot of skill sets. It's like you have to be um, technical enough to work with the developers and figure out how do we get these things done and understand that when they push back on, you know, dates and stuff like that or give you estimates, they're, they're reasonable. And how do you talk to them about what you're trying to accomplish so they understand how to break down the work and they understand why they're doing things. You have to understand the commercial side of it the pricing and the the marketing of how do you launch it how do you price it how do you package it so it's most effective for your customers so that you make money off of it you have to understand how to position it in the market you have to understand um, how to empathize with your users so that you understand their problems well and then you have to go and present it to um, and ux design as well you have to understand the experience and what's impacted that way 
Um, and then you have to be able to liaison for it up so that you can communicate to executives why this should be prioritized, how it's going to further the business so that everybody gets rallied around it. Well, it sounds like a one large, huge mess for me. Uh, so <laughs> you're like that, that person will be responsible for everything. And at the same time, uh, you know, all the problems will be on, on, on you know, on, on be blamed on that person, I think. So my first question is who that this, this person has to report to? Who is the boss of that person? Well, we always advocate for having a chief product officer. And a lot of companies are starting to have this role, especially when you look at Silicon Valley. Um, there are chief product officers at most of the major companies that you've known and loved. Um, and that person really reports up to the CEO. They're the, you know, they're the person who's thinking about strategy-wise, how do I align my product portfolio? How do I get these things in order so that we can grow into what the executive team needs to be? Um, a lot of times, though, traditionally, products either report in through engineering or up through marketing. And that's where you get some discrepancies about what this role is. And you'll find that in some places, the product role skews more towards marketing. So positioning and market, getting more pricing, and it's very not technical. So they, they usually have a waterfall process where they hand off um, specs over to the engineers, the engineers build it, but there's not a lot of uh, communication between that. On the other side, reporting up through engineering, a lot of times those, um, the, the products that are being built there are very technically savvy and really, really cool from a technical perspective, but they don't really delight customers right they usually have a bad user experience they're not um they're not really strategically well thought out about like how do we actually monetize it so that's why the cpo role is pretty important because it combines um it doesn't replace the cto or the chief marketing officer but what it does is it kind of ties the things together that they're good at right it helps the engineers kind of focus on engineering and how do we get things done it allows the chief marketing officer to focus more on how do we bring this to market and make sure that it's successful um, from a, you know, from a getting it out there perspective and targeting the right people and making sure they're aware of it um, and positioning it correctly against competitors. But the CPO kind of pulls those things together where it says, okay, if this is a strategy that the company wants to go after, if we want to increase our revenue or if we want to try to IPO in the future, right? What are the things that we have to bring to market in order to do that? So then they can really take that strategy and then make sure that it's, it's cohesively intertwined um, and the roadmaps make sense so that everybody else in the organization can rally through it. Mm -hmm. And who reports to that person? Who, is the, who are the subsidiaries of this, uh, of this product owner or product manager? Um, usually it's product managers. So um, in depending on what type of company you are, the CPOs would have more scope or less scope. Um, so in the larger enterprises, right, they own all the product. They are um, usually uh, overseeing product uh, VPs of product if there's multiple business lines or product lines. Um, then they would have underneath those, they could have product directors, uh, directors of product, either whatever way you want to say it, and product managers. So all those people would kind of report up through the CPO. In some places, I've seen the CPO um, own design as well. So there would be a VP of UX reporting to a CPO. Um, in larger companies too, we'll have a, a chief experience officer that will partner with the CPO. So I've seen that happen too. In some of the organizations where tech has led and is not absolutely critical for the strategy of a company. So for example, if you win through your product and your experience, not necessarily because it's really cool high technology stuff, that's when you would have um, sometimes a CTO would report into a chief product officer or you would have like 
and SVP of engineering reporting into a chief product officer. But it really depends on how your product is laid out and what your product does, right? And where your competitive, uh, your competitive nature and how you win really comes to, comes to play. That, that makes sense. But I'm more interested about the relationship between programmers and that product guys. So mm -hmm. I'm a programmer. So do I report to that person or I, do I no. have to listen to that people, to that product people, or I, I'm doing myself, my technical job? And then what are the relationship between us? Yeah, so it, it's never, the programmers never report into the product people, and that's the part where, uh, where it always gets nuanced, right? Uh, uh, that's like the key part for a product manager. A product manager is in charge of the success of the product, but they have very little authority, right? They, they do not have programmers report into them. They're not people managers usually when they're working on feature teams. They have to figure out how to lead and how to rally people by influence, not necessarily by authority. So it's about how do I get people to get excited about what we're building? Um, how do I convey why it's really important and get them excited about it um, and get them rallied behind it, but not necessarily, you know, they don't listen to me. They don't, I just don't tell them what to do. But so how can you achieve that? If they don't listen to me, then how can I actually, you know, make changes? How do I, if, how do I put my ideas into actions? Uh, let me rephrase that. It's not that they don't listen to me. It's more that they don't have to listen to me. Right. It's like it's not that I, you know, they'll get fired if they don't listen to me unless, you know, that's part of their job. Um, so it, it's not that I have people management authority over you. I have to. It's more that we're all trying to build a successful product here. Right. We're all trying to deliver something to the to the customer that is valuable, that people love. Right. It's about really trusting your team members to to understand that the product manager knows that the engineers are the best suited to figure out how do we actually build these things. The engineers trust the product manager, that they're building the right thing, that they're um, actually prioritizing correctly, that they're actually going after things that will be valuable to the business and to the user. And I think that trust is what gets everybody to work together um, to build the best products. Have you ever seen conflicts between uh, between this, there's obvious conflict for me because if somebody comes to me and I'm a programmer, I'm, write, I'm writing some code, I'm implementing some features, and then somebody comes to me and says, hey, I have a new idea which will definitely be very, you know, our customers will be very excited about it, let's do that. And I'm saying, you know what, I have my own plan, I have my technical objectives, so leave me alone. And then there will be a conflict. So have you seen that problems in, in real and practical projects? Yeah, I, I think so. But I think that too gets into like this mentality of projects versus product, ma uh, product management, right? Like, so many companies traditionally have been governed by a project mentality where you would go into an investment team, right? And say, I want to build this, this app. Let's say we're going to build this app. Um, I need a million dollars to do it and I need some developers. And there would usually be a pool of developers scattered around where you'd say, okay, guys, you're going to work on this project now. So the developers go and they're allocated to this project. They're working with this product manager. Um, and then when it's done, let's say it takes six months, right? You ship it and then they move on to another project. So the developers all disperse. You go and you find another product manager. Another idea gets passed through the investment team. It gets funded and the developers go and work on something else. Um, and that's how a lot of companies have worked over time. And what happens and why that's not great, especially when you're building software development, is you never go back and iterate on the things that you've actually done, right? You never go back and look at the products that you've released or the features you've released and say, hey, was that just a first version and we have to go back and make it better? Or 
you know, are we actually done here? They're not measuring, you know, what are the results for it? Are people using it? Do people like it? Are they satisfied with it? Are they leaving us and they're going somewhere else because they don't like it? Um, and that's because you just kind of get distracted and move on to the next thing when it's done. You consider the first release done. In a product mentality, in an organization that's run through product, right, you don't move from project to project around teams. You have teams stood up around the product or the feature, right? So for example, like in Facebook, there's an entire team working on the newsfeed and that's their baby, right? That's their product and everybody works on the newsfeed. Now there's gonna be different enhancements that you're gonna work on to make that newsfeed better, um, depending on the feedback from customers, but you're always gonna be working on that newsfeed and you're always gonna be making it better over time. So the developers working on a scrum team for that, right? Or any team, it doesn't have to be a scrum team, but you're just working on this product team uh, with a product manager, they're constantly looking with the product manager to go, okay, what's gonna make this more valuable for my users? What's the goals that have been set by the business, right? How do we meet them? How do we figure out what the problems are for the user? And you work together to execute on that. So there's nobody gonna come in a product setting, right? Nobody's coming around and just tapping you on the shoulder and saying, hey, I got a good idea, go work on it. You're all deciding as a team, really what should be, um, who's working on what and how do you prioritize that? And as a team, you start it and you finish it and then you move on to the next thing that's gonna make it even better. Yeah, and what are the KPIs or objectives of that product people versus programmers? I know the KPIs of programmers, you know, the more features we, we, we do implement, the better we are. The more bugs we fix, the better programmers we are. And what are the KPIs or metrics of product people? Yeah, for, for product, we look at different types of metrics to figure out if people are actually using and liking our product. So for example, we would look at things like adoption, how many people are starting to use the new features that we've just launched. Um, where are those people coming from? What types of profiles are there? We look at repeat usage. How often do they come back and keep using things? We look at, um, we set metrics around uh, what, what they would do for the, um, how, how many actions they take in the product, right? So for example, if you were doing, uh, if you were working for a bank, right, and you're making uh, it easier to send transfers between people, the frequency of people doing those transfers rather than writing a check, right? Like that would be a metric of success that we would look at. Um, we said retention or churn if people, uh, satis uh, if people are satisfied, right? That's where MPS scores come in, net promoter scores to see if people are happy using your product. So those are all the types of ones that we would be looking at. And quality is definitely part of it too, right? Um, it's not necessarily that a product manager, a product managers do get judged on quality, right? If there's a million bugs in the application and it's not stable, they have to make sure that those bugs are being prioritized and people are given room to actually stabilize and fix products as developers, right? Rather than keeping the push like the new features at them. So these are things that we would look at as well. So you're actually saying that the metrics of the product are going to be my metrics if I am, for example, a project uh, product owner, yep. product manager, right? Mm -hmm. So what if what if the product is quite big and you know I'm just I just entered the I just joined the project and I am a product manager for just a few days, but there's a huge large you know product which is on the market for years, so I immediately become responsible for all those metrics and and uh, and I have to start improving them. Is that correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, you, you set that realistically, like the metrics all get set realistically, depending on where the product is at its current state. Like if you've got a product that only has the potential to make a million dollars a year, right? You can't say that it's gonna make $50 million a year and say, that's your goal, right? That's not realistic. So 
a lot about figuring out strategy and figuring out the right metrics are about you know doing the work and doing the math to figure out what is possible mm -hmm. and and um and do you think it's possible to combine those two roles project management and product management if the product uh, is small yeah if it's small like i've definitely done both of them myself um i will say like project management took a back seat to product management um i think it's you see a lot of people who are traditionally in project management going into product and they don't really have the strategy side of how do we make something that's really going to move the needle here um they're really good at rallying the team and make sure everybody's on time and on task but they kind of miss that piece um i think with the with the prevalence of agile out there in the market as well uh this has been a big debate right do we need project managers once we have agile and i think what agile tried to do is take some of the work off a central person right to walk around and say like um you know do you do you have this and is this on time right and by making it cross-functional small teams right you didn't need as much project management since you didn't have people deployed all over your business in different departments working on the same thing you now had everybody pretty co-located and that not even co-located but just around the same initiative around the same thing the same product um, and that took some of the need for doing major dependency work constantly um, with these teams. Now you still have to do dependency work across the organization. So I've seen project managers kind of be a little more high level now. There's fewer of them and they work across like multiple teams, trying to string those teams together on very large complex products um, or projects. But from a day-to-day -day perspective, uh, the project management falls back onto the product team so that they can figure out, um, and by product mean, I mean the developers and the designers and the product people who are all working together, right, to figure out how do we get these things done with some guidance, usually from higher level project managers, I've heard them called program managers lately, um, who are looking at that holistically across the whole area. Mm -hmm. And do you think, uh, you know, another question which I hear, uh, which I hear quite often from programmers, uh, some of them say that uh, for them, it's so important to know what those product managers are having in mind and what are the plans and where the product is actually heading. I mean, what's the market, what the customers need from us and all that stuff. But some other programmers say that they don't care about that information. They don't want to know that, that, the, that marketing, you know, stuff, which is, which is somehow not really relevant to the technical things we, we resolve in our daily job. So what do you think is the right you know the right attitude of a programmer so is it important for technical people to know everything a product manager may share with them or these two positions these two roles have to work has to have to do their own business and focus on their own things yeah i i feel like it's it's two things um i have met programmers who were more motivated by very technically hard and complex problems um you know, the bug, we had a ghost bug in a commerce platform that we had and they kept depleting our inventory. And every time that something would sell out for, for some reason, we would get one more in stock. And we were like, where did that come from? Nobody returned anything, nothing happened. We just have this like phantom bug where they would just keep putting things back in stock after it sold out. And we had people um, on our team who would much prefer to go after and figure out what was going on with that bug then go to user interviews with me and understand like where the customer was doing. So because that's what motivated them, right? We, we put them around those things. They still understood at a high level, like why we were doing the things we were doing. It's just that they were driven more by complex technical problems. So I'd rather see them work on things that 
motivate them that way. And I learned that some other programmers that I worked with, they really, really love learning about the customer and then seeing the stuff that they programmed out there in the wild with people using it. So they would come to customer interviews with me. They would understand more about the customer and why we're doing things. And we talk about strategy and I involve them in all my meetings if they wanted to come. They didn't have to come to all of them, but it was an open door policy. If you, if you want to come to these certain ones, you can, so that you can understand more about what's going on. Um, and we worked great together in building, you know, more of the features. So I, I don't think it's a, it's a black and white answer there. I think it's more about there are what motivates people and what makes you excited, right? And putting them around the right type of work for them. You know, some programmers, they, they, they see the job of a, project, of a product person as more fun than the technical stuff they do. And some of them want to get promoted into that positions. And some of them become promoted. They, they actually get into, into the product people and they start working with product. And some of them fail there like miserably. So do you think it's possible to actually transfer a technical person into a product person and, and it may it work or not in your experience? Um, I've seen plenty of people who started off in engineering and made the shift to product, um, especially because there wasn't a lot of product jobs available like 10, 20 years ago, right? Uh, but it is a different mindset, right? Uh, I found that I, I've played, I, I've been an engineer at one point, I've been a product manager for most of my career, and I've also done UX design as well. So I've played every single role pretty much on the product team except for a data analyst. Uh, and uh, I found that being an engineer helped me be a product manager because it allowed me to talk to my engineers better, understand why certain things would get done, help me estimate or understand like, is this a large project? Is this a small project? So that I can basically try to figure out how to outline my roadmap. Um, I also found that though, when I went from engineering to product, like I was a product manager, I went into engineering for a year, I went back into being a product manager. Um, I had a hard time particularly just thinking outside the box. So I was thinking about designing everything and, and building the capabilities that I would know how to program. And my developers had to like sit me down and be like, hey, Melissa, we're better developers than you are. So uh, why don't you just tell us what you want and then we'll figure out how to do it. So I was kind of locking myself into um, thinking about the constraints that I was aware of rather than thinking about the large vision and then just getting creative with how do we attain it. Um, and I've seen that be a struggle with some people who make a switch from engineering to product management. They don't think outside the box. Instead, they think about, oh, that's a great idea, but it would be hard. And they dismiss it immediately, right? Rather than thinking about how do we get more creative? How do we get more strategic this way? What are all the options I have to actually look at um, executing this? Maybe not just the first option that's right in front of me. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh, I see that you are going to publish a book in just a few days, actually. And yeah, it's uh, out on Kindle. Yeah, it's called Escaping the Build Trap. Mm -hmm. So can you tell me about this build trap idea? Because that, that sounds interesting and I would like to hear more. What is it, build trap? Yeah, so the build trap is this, um, this place where a lot of companies get stuck in. And it's when they really pay attention to shipping more and more features, building more and more products, right? rather than really paying attention to what do those products do for our business and for our customers. So it's when they really over-rotate and they go, um, they, they put more weight and they put more success factors on, did we ship it rather than did we ship the right thing? Is it the right product to build? Um, so that's what I call the build trap is just this like never ending cycle of 
you know, prioritizing work and keeping people as busy as possible and shipping all the features you could possibly imagine, but never revisiting it and thinking about what kind of outcomes do those produce for our customers in our business. Have you seen that in real projects that that, that happens? Oh, 100%. All the time. Um, every company I've worked with has been stuck in the build trap one way or another. Um, some of them, you know, there are companies that just have a problem with shipping, right? Like just getting things out the door because that's hard and that's a problem you have to fix as well. But a lot of the companies who've solved that problem of, okay, can we build it? Haven't really solved the problem of, do we know we're building the right thing? And that, that's kind of where we come in and we try to help them with that. And why it happens? What's the root, what's the root cause of this problem? It's really trying to figure out like um, where people associate value with. I, I find that if you talk to people about what does value mean, right? They'll put it on the wrong thing. They'll say, oh, you know, uh, value for the user is this feature or value for the user is this product, right? Instead of value for the user is them being able to not have this problem, right? <laughs> not taking this away. So if you think of like every product out there, it fulfills some kind of need, some kind of want, or it solves a problem for people, right? And that's when they get value. So shipping a feature inherently is not valuable unless it does one of those things, right? Unless it fulfills a need or a want or solves a problem. And it's that connection back to, um, to what that is, to what that value metric is that people usually lose because it's really easy to measure how many features we're shipping. So it looks like we're doing really well if we've got 10, 12 features going out in a quarter, right? It's like, hey, we're doing great. We produce so much. But then it's, the question becomes, but what did that do? Did anybody use those features? Do they like those features, right? And that becomes a little trickier to measure, right? You have to put in analytics platforms. You got to talk to your customers. So it's not as easy to get that information. So a lot of companies will place uh, more importance or more success metrics around did we ship it rather than what did those things do? They'll wait like a year, they'll look at their numbers for the end of the year and they'll go, oh, why didn't we make any money? Oh, it's because like the things we shipped were not aligned back to that customer value and we really misdefined what value meant. Mm -hmm. So maybe people are just afraid of looking at the reality and doing this and looking at the truth, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think there's some fear and, and there's work, right? Like there's a lot of work that goes into actually understanding that value, right? It's, um, it's easy to just say, hey, we're gonna build this feature, let's break it down and build it, right? From a theoretical standpoint, like that's a known quantity. We know how to do that in software most days. What's hard is to say like, what features should we be building if we wanna hit these goals as a business? Cause that takes user research that takes like bringing the team together to figure out what that product looks like. It involves testing with the user and making sure that um, you're on the right track and you're building the right thing. And then it involves building it. So there's all this stuff that has to happen in addition to just coding up these products. Um, and that's the part that people usually skip because they think that all the value is in just the code. And how do you solve that? Um, a couple things. It really takes a mindset shift, I think, at the executive team um, so that they understand, you know, what does, what, what do we have to do as an executive team to help people figure out what is valuable? Um, a lot of times executives will, this is one of the big things that ends up, uh, ends people up in the build trap. They'll set the goals and then they'll dictate what they think will get those goals and they'll push them down to the teams without doing any of that research or any of that um, validation with the users. So they'll say, oh, we think like in order to hit these goals, we should build this app or this feature set 
or going to this market, right? Um, going into the market is the right level of what the, the um, leadership should be doing, but dictating how to do that, right? Build this app, go into this market is where we get into the build trap because we're not really validating that that app or that feature set is the right thing to do that. So they'll put those into, again, back into the project mentality, into project plans and give them to teams to go execute on and say that you, your success is now judged um, by you delivering that app that I told you to go build. Um, and that's where we kind of get stuck. So I think it really takes some work at the executive level to get them to understand what is their responsibility and what is their job in a software company that runs like this um, in a product-led organization. And that's basically to set very firm business goals and help break that down, but then to take a step back and let the product teams and that chief product officer role help figure out how do I align my portfolio of products to really achieve that? How do we bubble up from the teams? What's the right things to build? And, and I think that the most important person who can help the, the executive management to do that is the product manager. Yes, definitely. So it's, it's not, but it's not the lower level product managers on the team because there is a skill set that you need to have to really help executives understand why the shift is important and what you're doing. So, where I see most product managers get into trouble when they try to make this case to their executives is that they talk in terms that executives don't really care about. Um, executives care about how do we make money, right? How do we further this business? How do I reach my goals? So you need to translate all the things that are happening on a day-to-day -day basis up through to the executives in a level that they can understand, right? Where it's basically saying, hey, you know, if our goal is to, um, you know, double our revenue in two years from this, uh, from this type of customer, we really need to enter this market, which we agreed at with an executive team. Um, to enter that market, we are building these features, right? We validated they're the right things. It's on track and we believe that we can start monetizing it in Q1, right? Like you have to pull those things together so that they understand. A lot of times um, I see product managers or developers or anybody, right? Um, go up to executives and say, hey, you, you don't understand Agile, like you need to use Agile, like you have to you have to bubble up all these requests from the teams, like the team should be figuring out what to do. And the executives or get get like, they get upset, right? Or they get annoyed because they don't understand what Agile is going to do for them, right? It's like, cool, Agile, I get it. But like, but why, right? Like, what does what does that help me do as an executive? How does that help further our products, right? So just talking about the tools or techniques we use on the team never really convinces executives at the top because that's not where their head is, right? They don't quite care what you do on the team level to get it done, but you just have to demonstrate that you're delivering value and that those things are moving the business forward. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And uh, that's more question about your, your experience. Uh, can you name or illustrate a few most typical mistakes product managers are doing in their jobs? Where do they fail? Um, yeah, there's, there's a couple of places. Um, one is that they're not talking to their customers. Uh, they spend too much time with internal stakeholders. So you want to make sure that you satisfy internal stakeholders, you bring them along for the ride. But a lot of times we'll place the importance of what they say over the importance of what our customers are saying. And that's where we can get into trouble. So for example, I, I see this type of situation all the time. Product manager has stakeholders. Let's say it's the VP of marketing. Um, it's the uh, head of sales as their stakeholder. Maybe somebody over on the creative team. 
And they bring all these stakeholders together and they all have opinions of what you should build. And instead of the product manager kind of pushing back and say, no, this is what we're gonna build because it meets your strategic objectives, it satisfies the customer, we've already planned it out. They say, okay, let me take all your requests and put it on a product backlog. And they don't really come in with, um, with like a defined vision of what their product should be. So instead they become very reactive and whatever is thrown at them, they, uh, from stakeholders mostly internally, uh, they will put on their list. So they have to really be thinking about constantly and getting out there to talk to them, uh, their customers. So go out, talk to your customers, understand what they want, always put yourself in their shoes so that you understand how to create value for them. Um, another side though, is I see uh, product managers either swing one or two ways. They'll either be too focused on the customer or too focused on the business. So you want to focus on your customer, but you don't want to focus on them so much that you're not creating value for the business. So the product manager's job is to optimize both sides of that, business value and customer value. What is the thing that's going to get us both? Um, I've seen customers who only spend time learning about the, uh, I'm sorry, product managers spend time only learning about the customer and not really thinking about what the business implications are. So they have a lot of cool features that they can build, but there's no real value to the business in actually building them. So that is the, um, so, so they have to balance that side. On the other side, they have people who are too business oriented and never talk to customers. So they never go out, they never look at your customers. They just kind of look internally at the business and say, what's going to further it, spec out those things and just build it. That to me is a little more, um, it's too internal facing. So you have to figure out how do I, how do I draw a line there? And how, what do you mean by talking to customers? If there's a web application, let's say Facebook, there are like millions of customers or hundreds of thousands of customers. How can you actually talk to them if you're the product, product manager? Well, the, the people at Facebook actually do call up the customers and talk to them really? every day. So they have a huge user research department at Facebook. Um, they use a lot of analytics for Facebook as well. Like they'll, they have analytics on everything, right? So that they can see what you're using, what you're not using, what you're engaging with. So they rely a lot on data, but they still go out and talk to users of Facebook, right? There's still user research pushes. People still go out and talk to them and understand like how people are using things. Um, there's a big push on that. So it doesn't matter how big of a platform you are. You still need to understand like what your users do. And you can use a lot of analytics to help you with that. But the analytics don't really help you with the qualitative, qualitative side of why you're doing things. Like you can't ask why when you observe data. It's like, hey, oh wow, everybody's using this new feature, they must like it. But then you might find out that, hey, you designed it in a way where everybody had to click on that feature, right? And you don't learn those things until you go out and you watch people use your stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes people say that the best user of my product is myself. So they just launch the product to the market and they have like five programmers in the office and those programmers start using it and they, they become the, the, the champion customers. They become the, the first customers and, and they start providing the feedback and, and they listen to each other and, they, and the product people also listen to them and they keep designing the product for themselves. You know, and, and sometimes they say that this is the way it should be. So we are the best customers for our own product because we understand how it needs to work because we are the users. So we don't care about the market. And they sometimes also quote like Steve Jobs and all other people, you know, these uh, very public figures who, who actually created great products without listening to customers. They created like uh, smartphones, for example, without asking people, what do you want? They just decided, okay, they want it. I believe they want it. Let's do it. And they succeeded. 
was it like a like a you know like it was a chance it was a four, four you know it was a you know one case out of a million or this could be a, a pretty legal and uh, you know successful way of you know planning your product strategy I, okay, there's a huge myth that Steve Jobs never talked to anybody about the iPhone or the smartphone and never listened to that. That's just like not true. So the way, and the, I think there's a huge, like it's not the product manager's job, right? It's not to go out and ask people what they want and then put it on a backlog and build it. I did that. It fails, right? Like when you do that. And that's, that was one of the big mistakes I made when I was a young product manager just starting out. Be like, tell me what you build. Tell me what you want, right? I built this dashboard for a bunch of our sellers on this e-commerce site so that they can manage their um, stores and see what they were selling. And they told me all these things that they wanted to see on it. They were like, I want revenue and break down by customer and all this stuff. And I built it and they never used it because I didn't give them what they really cared about, which was profit margins. They wanted to see what their profit margins were on there. They were unable to articulate that. So I spent five months building the wrong thing. Now it's, so asking people what they want is the wrong way to go about it. You have to figure out what they need. Right. And that maybe is not asking them what they want. There are some people who are um, aware of what they do have problems with and they can express their problems, but you're not asking them to solve their own problems. That's your job as a product team and a product manager is to figure out the best way to solve the problem, but they can articulate what their problems are. And those are problems that are top of mind. But then on the other side, right. And this is where you get into the interesting innovation like Steve Jobs had with his iPhone. You're observing what market trends are and you're observing what future problems might be. Or you're looking at the market and saying, hey, there's technology out there that exists that can actually solve this gap. I see these gaps, right? And we call those um, latent needs, things that people don't know that they really need until they start to experience it. And with those, you have to experiment and put things in front of people and see if they can really, if they're like, oh, yeah, this is the thing that was missing for me. Right. And there's a lot riding on the way that you solve those problems, but you don't get there by never talking to people. Right. It takes a huge amount of studying how people interact with things to get to the iPhone. It takes a lot of observing trends. Right. Like leading up to the iPhone, people started taking photos only with their smartphones. Right. Like not smartphones, but their cell phones. They had two megapixel phones on um, cameras on their phones. People were starting to do that. They're trying to start to share it. They had digital cameras out there these technologies are combining they saw people with um phones in their cars right and with cell phones then they saw people like starting to adopt the internet and they said hey what if we put the internet and the phone together right people could start to use it on the go people were becoming more mobile people were becoming more transient right like getting around places different so they're observing all of these changes and they're saying we're going to build something that fills this gap right that fills this need in somebody's life and to me that's where strategy and innovation come together is really understanding and observing people so well that you can start to see where those gaps will emerge and figuring out how to solve them well is, is the key. And Steve Jobs wasn't, the iPhone wasn't the first smartphone, right? As we all know, it was just that some people didn't solve that problem in the best way. Yeah. And what do you need to, to learn in order to be able to observe the problem and find out that the iPhone is what the world needs? Because it sounds like from everything you said, it's great, but I'm thinking about myself. So how do I become a great product manager? How can I be able to observe and analyze and find the gaps and then get back to the technical team and say, hey, guys, now I know where the gaps are. We need to do exactly that. Do I need talent for that? Do I need like to be a genius or I can learn that somehow? Um, I, I think you can learn it and it's by like, 
like I said, there's not many places to go out and learn great product management. Um, it's something that I'm trying to tackle very hard, but um, it's, it's a lofty problem. I think the best way you can learn is start to work with people who are great product managers. So I always advise people when they're looking at their next job is to find somebody who is a great product manager and work for them, right? Like find somebody you admire, find somebody that is a great leader. Don't worry so much about the product really. Just find somebody you want to learn from and go work for them. And then you can start to see how they think. I don't think you have to be a genius to learn those things. I think you have to be creative. I think you have to look at things in a different way. You have to not accept the fact that things exist, but try to start thinking about what if, right? What if this happened? What if we, what if we put internet onto a cell phone, right? What if we had that device in one, right? Those are the questions that people like Steve Jobs are asking. And instead of saying like, oh, that's impossible, right? Or, oh, that's too hard, right? They're saying, what if? What if we did it? What if we succeeded, right? Like, how do we get there? Um, so it is a big mentality shift, right, of just trying to look at the world in a little bit of a different way. Hmm. So there's no way to learn that from the book. You just need to see it in practice. You can have to do it day by day, and then maybe in 15 years, you will be able to invent the next iPhone, sort of that. Well, here's the thing. There's a million books out there by very successful um, startup founders and leaders that you can read, right? Um, there's plenty of ones. If you go to Amazon and you look up tech or you look at technology, there's tons of stuff of, um, you know, people's biographies. There are different advice books out there. It's a good place to start, right? It's less about, you have to learn how other people like that think, right? Like, how do they think? How do they approach the world that way? Um, so I don't want to say that there's no place that you can't learn and that's the only path. I think people stumble onto this themselves. They try to build their own companies. They realize what works, what doesn't work. I think people um, observe other companies and see how they do things and pull, pull apart their strategy. I think people see um, friends and family do stuff. I think people will take a class online, right? And it'll spark something that they needed to get started there. Um, there is no one university degree I can go recommend you to tell you how to think. Um, like this, but I do think there's all different ways to learn from people who have actually gone through it before. Mm -hmm. What do you think again about this statement that people say that if you want that, if you need that product, if you're going to be your first customer, then that's the product you have to try to create for the market. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that hundred percent. I know plenty of people who have built incredibly successful businesses, um, off of not being the customer. I think it helps if you understand that market super well, right? Then um, it's going to help you build a better product because you'll you'll you don't have to go learn an entire another market. Um, but do I think that's always the case? No. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I also think the same. I also was like I'm sometimes being a user of my product, but sometimes mm -hmm. sometimes not. So, but people, you know, I know a lot of friends who are just you know feel so excited about some idea because they need the product and they start creating it and then they yeah. bring it to the market, but the market doesn't need it. So yeah. it's yeah, and that's a trauma for them because it's kind of depressing. They feel it, they get obsessed about it, they want to create it, they actually invest some money, some time into it, and then they bring it to the customer to the market actually, and there is no reaction. So that's sad. Yeah. And that's kind of like the whole premise of what the book, The Lean Startup, kind of teaches us that our mm -hmm. ideas are not necessarily the right ideas. Um, so we have to bring it out and validate it that other people want it as much as possible. It's really easy to get like attached to, you know, your, your idea. It's like your baby. And you're like, I want to build this. Um, but that's not necessarily what everybody else wants, just like you said. 
Okay. Well, sounds good. I think I'm running out of questions. And uh, okay. yeah, I, I really enjoyed reading your blog and I'm looking for the book. I think it will be interesting. Is it going to be really published? You finished it already? It's done. I mean, it, it's shipping. I have uh, 150 copies in my office right now okay. for a so, cool. party on the 28th. Okay. Good luck so with real. the book then. Yeah, I hope you will, you will get some. I'll, I'll, I'll try to help you with the podcast. I'll promote it Great. right now. I'll, yeah, I'll have a link to the book. So good luck with that. And awesome. Let's, Let's stay in touch. Thanks for participation. Okay. Thanks. Thanks very much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.